Somebody keep telling me don't hang around. It's been a long, a long time coming. Respect the fighter. And, but at the same time that they admire these fighters, they encourage the so-called Negro in America to get his uh, uh, desires fulfilled with a sit-in stroke or a passive approach or a love-your-enemy uh, approach or pray for those who despitefully use you. This is insane. And we feel as Muslims, until we see white people practicing this nonviolence, until, uh, until we see white people uh, take uh, uh, Pearl Harbor. When the Japanese pa uh, attacked Pearl Harbor, the American white man didn't say, pray for the Japanese and uh, let them now bomb Manhattan or uh, Staten Island. No, they said, praise the Lord, but pass the ammunition. Looking for another way to support KPFK? By donating your vehicle, you're supporting the programming you value. Donating your vehicle is quick and easy. You can always pledge your support at kpfk.org. You appreciate KPFK, and we appreciate you. Yo, this is your brother Speech from the crew Arrested Development. You rocking with KPFK 90.7, Los Angeles. listeners you're on 90.7 fm kpfk this is julian lamb co-producer of voices from the front lines your national movement building show wake up and smell the revolution today we are going to be listening to an amazing interview and conversation done by your regular voices host eric mann with poet warrior activist and death row prisoner keith lamar as some of our listeners may know from previous voices show Keith Lamar is a wrongfully convicted death row prisoner engaged in a battle for his life and his freedom. The settler state of Ohio has set a date of November 16th to execute Keith Lamar. And so we not only want you to listen to the show, but we also want you to get involved in the battle to save Keith's life. After the show, go to KeithLamar.org and find out the many ways that you can help Keith. And now, Eric Mann and Keith Lamar. Can you hear me, Keith? Yeah. Amy sent me a text yesterday that scared them. What's yeah. happening to you? Well, it's the same thing, you know. My problem is an ongoing thing. It's nothing specific happened to trigger my decision to go on the hunger strike. It's a, a constant thing. You hold off the aggression or whatever you want to call it as long as you can and you have to you know kind of make a stand because the only way only move movement or room you have been left is to you know jump off the planet basically right and yeah so it's just you know just you know it's not my first hunger strike I imagine it won't be my last at some point I'm hoping that Right people engaged with the situation and understand that, you know, human beings are being tortured. And why? So human beings are being tortured in these that look so, you know, uh, um, pedestrian on the outside, look so calm and collected on the outside, the green, the manicured lawns and the, you know, the whitewashed buildings and whatnot, you know, look like college campuses, man. You know, but um, what's happening to us in here is happening on the inside. So, you know, Keith, one of the things that's kind of amazing, there's nothing that our listeners, except for a few, can understand, which is 
you are in solitary confinement, threatened with an execution, and they still will not leave you alone? What's the daily what's the daily harassment like? The daily just effing with you every single day? Well, why don't you tell our listeners what well, what in the world is that like? I mean, it's, it, 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 it messes with your morale. I mean, that's the whole point of it. Right. It's a kind of, I was explaining explaining to some of my friends the other day, you know, you know Isaac Newton uh, discovered and declared that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And so for every time uh, I, or every move I've made to elevate the profile of my situation, how these people have responded to that. The only way they can respond, because technically I'm not violating any rules. If I was, I'd be in a hole. So the only response they have devised to kind of deter me from pursuing my uh, my freedom, from expressing uh, my situation to the public and retrying my case in the court of public opinion, is to institute these kind of what, what I refer to as low-grade antagonisms. And it's like death by a thousand cuts. I'm, not, I'm sure you heard that expression before. Of course. So it's it's real small things where you you can't put, have a handkerchief in your pocket, let's say, up in the visit uh, in the visiting room. You know, I'm on death row, Eric. Obviously, a lot of people, my friends and family who come visit me, they get real emotional, right. and you know that's a recurring thing. And so I've taken to carrying a handkerchief in my pocket to hand my friends or whoever, you know, that might be struggling with the, the reality of my situation so they can wipe away their tears, blow their nose or whatever the case may be, you know, so that can, they can, you know, maintain their dignity, you know, why I'm, I'm so I'm just partic- participate in that. Because I'm cried out, you know, I don't generally have any tears about what I'm going through, but understandably people who come into the situation, it's, it's a horrifying situation to see somebody you love chained to the table like an animal. To see somebody you love with the bread of death hanging over them. You know, even while we smile and uh, loving on each other, whatnot, it's painful. And so anything that they can do to kind of interrupt that exchange, that human exchange, they do it. Like like the, the visitor room was really up until recently my last place of refuge. But there's a place where I meet with my family, people who don't want to kill me, don't want to see me, you know, uh, lose my mind, so on and so forth. And so it's a real pleasant place, a place where I go to rejuvenate my spirit, so on and so forth. But here recently... I haven't been able to go to the visiting room without being hosted by one of the guards telling me what I can and can no longer do. They devise these rules, and they specifically target towards me. We call them Keith Lamar rules, my visitors and I. Right. That defender can no longer have you know, uh, a toddler on his knee, for example. You know, my little nephew was four, three, four years old. You know, when he comes, I obviously can't sit in the chair by myself without toppling over, so... The rule, the policy initially was, you know, all kids under six years old could sit on your lap. Right. So they came up with all these other rules to kind of, you know, frustrate me, to, you know, make me retreat one step at a time until now I feel the back, my back is against the wall, basically. Yeah. Well, Keith, you know that, well, first of all, everybody, we're listening to the, the truly wonderful Keith Lamar, my new friend, and I think about you all the time. I have your book in front of me, Keith, uh, Condemn. There's a great passage in the back that says, the state of Ohio is trying to kill me. On a presently undetermined date, and now very, I don't know what word to say, there is a determined date of November 16th, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. In a place where premeditated murder is consciously condoned, They intend to strap me down to a gurney and inject into my body poisons that are designed to stop my heart from beating. This isn't just a book you have in your hands. It's my life. I'm innocent. And, you know, Keith, when I read it, I do feel like your life is in my hands. And you know me, I feel not just responsible. As an organizer, I'm trying to dream up everything I can to do. And interestingly, you are doing some of the great things that need to be done, which is why they're messing with you. And I think right. one thing 
One thing we both know is even when you're caged, you have these little rituals that make you happy. Just little things that you figure out inside that horrible place. And so when they take it away, they know what they're doing. It's there to destabilize you, to demoralize you. How do you deal with it psychologically? Well, it's just as you say, I've came I've devised these little things I can do. Um, you know, I meditate. I get up early in the morning, two, three o'clock in the morning, when it's still quiet enough for me to hear my thoughts. To kinda take stock of where I am in terms of my my day to day um tenacity, energy. Um and so I take those checks, it's like you, you know, you know, um, check your car before you go on a long journey. You check the oil. You make sure the battery is up. So I do that kind of diagnostic check on myself when I wake up in the morning. See how, see how I'm feeling. Hmm. And then I do my routine. I meditate. I, I do yoga. You know, and I, you know, the work that I didn't finish the day before is waiting on me for this little on my bedside little box I have on my bedside, my bedside table, so to speak. And I um, look through that, my emails, and I just start, I just, I just continue with myself. You know, I don't, you know, you know, and see the thing about what I learned when I was a young guy in this situation, that they would do the things that they're doing to me now, and I would react, and that reaction would then be used as justification to strip me of my so-called privileges. And so they would, like in judo, they was using my own body against me, my own, the weight of my reactions against me. And I was constantly finding myself on the ground, having to start all over again. I can't afford to do that now because, you know, as you just said, pointed out, I, my execution gate is scheduled for November the 16th. So I don't have a whole lot of time to be playing these little games that these people, you know, play. And they haven't changed. You know, I'm reading your book, Comrade George. You know, I'm, I'm very, very familiar with George um, Jackson. And the same things they were doing to him is the same thing that they are doing to me. And that's the good thing. They haven't changed. It's the same playbook. Right. And there's been more, there's been people much smarter than I am who have grappled with these same things, and they have written it, written about it. George Jackson, one of them, Malcolm X, Ruben Hurricane Carter. So I'm not like without the resources and the the, the the mental the presence of mind to actually deal with what I'm do, what I'm what I'm dealing with. It's not that at all. You know, so it's not what am I doing to handle it? I'm doing it. Of you know, you, and, you know, going on a hunger strike is part of it. You know, it's just you know a part to signal to my 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 family, my friends, and supporters that okay, I have you know have gone as far as I can go without you know jumping off the planet. It's, 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 it's um, just something that's part of my present life, man. I'm hoping that I can get to uh, a different situation where I'm not constantly flirting with death. But uh, right now, that's not the case. And so I have to continue on, you know, the, the, the path that I'm on. Yeah. Well, since I'm reading, you know, I'm reading your book and you're reading mine. Could you give me any feedback yeah. on Comrade George just for a minute? Because I wanted it. I mean, obviously, for me, it's not a book you understand. It's a life, and I sent it to yeah. your life from my life. Have you been able to read any yet? Yeah, I've been reading it. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I've been reading it. Uh, I've been reading. I've been um, reading about five pages a day, in addition to all the other things that I'm doing. Right. Of and course. It, and it all just—it's all reminiscent, um, of course, with everything. Um, I was going through, particularly 20 years ago or so, when I was first introduced to George, George Jackson. And um, he put words to the things that I was, you know, experienced and, and for the first time. Told me what it was, what the, what the, um, the goal, you know, the, the destination that I was um, being delivered to. And, you know, the fact that I didn't accept a, a deal fact that I didn't plead guilty to something I didn't do was in large part because I was reading Angela Davis, George Jackson, but you know the conditions that existed then politically in terms of that um, the social awareness and education of just regular everyday people. 
was a whole lot different than what it is now. And the problems that we have made sure that that you don't have as many educated people around, people who understand, you know, how power operates, how power turns people against each other, so on and so forth. But, yeah, reading your book, it, it, it's all reminiscent, man. It's like taking me back to um, the frame of mind that I was in when I was really, really in the thick of it and struggling through of the things that would bring me to where I am today. But without George Ashman out, Angelus, without Malcolm Max, Ruby Hurricane Carter, um, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, where I am, you know, until my mentally, spiritually. So, you know, I'm I'm just trying to carry forward, Eric. Uh, um, yeah, this is a, it's a hell of a document that you have. Raised a lot of uh, important questions about uh, the, the, the conditions that created someone like George Jackson. Like he, he was created in a vacuum. And, you know, for the majority of prisoners, yeah, they come through this grinding system. You never hear from them again because it it works. It's effective, this machine. When he talked about this beast, real thing. And so, yeah, I've been reading about five pages a day, you know, just working my way through it. But, I, you know, I have book clubs, too, that I read with young people here in Ohio and in New York. And so I'm reading those books as well. Of course, and of course. Reason. I'm reading yours five pages of ten a day because it's hard yeah. reading. One thing yeah, I want to yeah. do before we go too long is I want to keep focusing on what we can do to help you. And I'm on the phone with Amy Gurdjieff as well as you and Channing Martinez from the Strategy Center. Maybe, Amy, you could kick off some amazing things are happening. And Keith, that's partly why the backlash is happening, because you are starting to win the battle. You know, you are winning the battle of ideas, which terrifies them. And I want to make sure it listens to voices that, you know, you can't listen to Keith Lamar and say, well, that was a good show. Uh, this was a good life. This is a good life that wants to keep living. So we are obligated to do something to help Keith. Maybe, Amy, you could tell us a little bit about what's going on, and then Keith, you could also. And obviously, we start with KeithLamar.com, but Amy, tell us more. Um, okay, well, really, I'm. Uh, we're going to follow Keith's lead on this. And so um, as he embarks on the hunger strike next week, um, the, the place where we'll be able to communicate what the most supportive actions are will be on, um, Keith, on the Justice for Keith Lamar Facebook page, all one word, Justice for Keith Lamar. Um, and then on his website at the bottom, at keithlamar.org, at the bottom of every page, there is also a place where you can add your email to the database. And so we will send out email communication. But um, um, if it's going to, you know, we'll see how it goes, but usually it entails calling, making phone calls, and we'll provide a script to kind of guide folks uh, who are making the calls who might not know what to say. We'll give, you know, to keep it simple, but to be clear and to let them know that in, you know, both at the prison itself where Keith is incarcerated, as well as the Ohio Department of, um, well, I don't the prison system, we won't call it the rehabilitation. Right. Um, but anyway, <laughs> funny name, right? Um, but also just that the, the people that are higher up, that they understand that he has an army of supporters all around the world. And, and when we descend on those phone lines, they will feel that support really strongly. And that's the most important thing is to just let them know that we expect his humanity to be to be, you know, upheld and, and that these aggressions, these these um, things that he's been experiencing, and I've witnessed that numerous times, these interactions, these interferences. So he's, he's not making these things up. Um, it's nothing to be interrupted and out of a, you know, three or four hour visit, have nonsense occupy 30 minutes of it. It's really, really ridiculous. Or that he will then call and say he's gone back to his cell and the whole place is completely torn apart and it looks like an absolute trash pit that he has to spend four hours straightening up for nothing. So. Yeah, but the most important thing, at least at this juncture, is that people um, take a, a few minutes, however long it is, 
to call. Because one of the things, the one 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 of the things that people in power need to understand is that when you strip somebody of their humanity, when you kill somebody in a traffic stop, then the next day cannot be business as usual. They shouldn't be able to come in and go on their lunch break, come in and sit around and shoot this. Just kill somebody for nothing. Right. And see, this thing that I'm going through, Eric, I've been going through as long as I've been trying to stand up and speak out about my situation. So it's not something that I'm just now becoming aware of. Amy alluded to. I've been, I deal with it every day. And taken individually or separately, it's not enough to say anything about. It's the cumulative effect of all these little things. Like I said, it's death by a thousand cuts. Now they're saying I can't wear my religious uh, necklace, my religious beads, my religious ring, things that I wear for protection, for spiritual protection, because I'm walking through this evil place. Right. So everybody, the voice you're hearing is Keith Lamar. You know, the voice you're hearing is Amy Gorgiev. And this is Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement building show, Wake Up and Smell the Revolution. And the, the voice of Keith Lamar is talking about death by a thousand cuts is just almost unbearable to hear, except it's your life, Keith. Even before, tell us the name of the head of the Department of Oppression at, uh, in Ohio and tell us the name of the wardens, because some of us can call now and just say, keep your hands off Keith. Isn't that right? I mean, well, there's nothing preventing us from calling him today. Well, she's not here today. It's President's Day tomorrow. She won't be here tomorrow. I mean, the people that, that, that are have the power, quote-unquote, to stop this, this low-grade antagonism from happening, because there have been times where I've gone to, gone to visit, go on a visit and enjoy my five hours with my family, you know, without being harassed. Right. So that, that permission to harass me has to come from the top. You know, yeah, you have permission for Keith Lamar today. Go ahead. See what you see if you can trick him off this square. You know, so the, the warden here at um, OSP is named Bracy, Warden Bracy, B-R-A-C-Y. Okay. And the, the director in Columbus, and Amy, you can provide the name for it. I think it's A.E. Smith. It's Annette Chambers. Smith, it's a hyphenated yeah, last name. All right, we're going to look that up. We're going mm -hmm. we'll to provide that for people. You know, we're, gonna, we're not going to, you know, make people have to search in the rabbit hole for those names. We're going to provide the names and the phone numbers. Okay. You know, make it as easy as we possibly can to, so people can help, you know, help me. And so, you know, yeah. And so you go, go to KeithLamar.org or just for Keith Lamar on Facebook, and that information will be, uh, uh, will be there, as well as a, a brief description of what I'm going through and what, you know, the talking points um, are, because, you know, you, you only have, uh, you know, a little, I imagine a little time out of your day, so we're going to try to do the heavy lifting. We just need you to make the phone call. Yeah, and I just wanted to say again that, folks, you got to do, that's not a lot of heavy lifting, folks, to make a phone call. I try when I'm on the phone with somebody to say, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself. Uh, tell this to your children. Tell them what you're doing to Keith. Tell them to what you're doing to these other prisoners. You know, I, I read the script, but I try to make a connection and say, do you really support this? Is this what you really believe is fair? It doesn't matter, but, you know, if 30 or 40 or 50 people keep saying it, maybe it has some effect besides please stop it. Because that's, of course, what we're asking for. Please stop the harassment. Um, and please exonerate Keith and, and, you know, call off the execution. I, you know, I just want to tell people that it's not uncommon in, in, when making those phone calls to be lied to by the staff and be, be told, like, we've not heard any of this before, that you're the first person to call. So they should just know that that's part of it. Um, and it's helpful if they also leave comments uh, to let us know what they encountered in those calls so we can kind of adjust our script and that sort of thing. 
So just engage um, on the post on Facebook and let us know what they're encountering. It's very helpful. Of course, of course. Right, right. You know, Keith, last time we talked, if I can say you were more at peace, more philosophical. Today, you're more the warrior, you know, going to war because they wouldn't even let you have that moment. But since that's the whole point, Eric, you know, is to get you to shift your focus, to take your focus off of what they don't want you to be calm and have a presence of mind. You're talking clearly about the issues at hand. This is all strategy on their part, and it's effective to the degree that I have to, you know, step away from fighting for my life to fight for my day-to-day sanity and humanity. Because it's, you know, you have a, uh, you know, it's one thing to talk about something that could happen in, in seven months from now in November. But I'm talking about what can happen tomorrow right. or the day after. Right. I mean, I'm a human being. In spite of what these people say about me, I'm just a human being. I'm made of the fragile things just like every other human being. And I only can take so much. Well, you know, the, the, the tone of my voice has changed because the tone of my situation has changed. Of course. It's not sunny outside. It's raining today. And so I can umbrella out. You know, that's the only difference. I feel the same person. You know, if, if I wasn't, I would be in a hole right now for assault or, 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 you know, disrespect or some other thing. I'm trying to deal with this as a 53-year-old man would do. You know, I was, was talking about reading your book earlier, and I'm on page 100 right now. <laughs> and it's George Jackson as a revolutionary writer. And and on this page where my thumb is at right now, it says, I am an extremist. I call for extreme measures to solve extreme problems. To me, life without control over the determining factors is not worth the effort of drawing breath. That's okay, listen, I might not be able to, it's me talking now, I might not be able to prevent these people from strapping me down to a gurney one day. I've made peace with that. But it won't be because I didn't do everything in my power to prevent it. It won't be because I use every day of my life to speak truth to power. It won't be because I didn't do my part. And I don't necessarily consider myself as an extremist, but it is, this is an extreme situation. And I'm trying to rise to the occasion. I'm trying to be equal to the, the, the things that I'm going through. But it's difficult. I need the help of other people. I can't do it by myself. I think George Jackson don't realize that. They had a lot of help. George Jackson, he was the star of that whole thing. But it was other people whose name we don't know that supported him. Right. It's the same here with me. So you need the support of people. So George Jackson was a human being. Somebody, if they were shot, that they can die from a bullet wound. We're just human beings, and we need other human beings in order to affirm our humanity. I need other human beings. You do, too. We need to help each other. That's where the being part comes in. Well, Keith, I want to be clear. A warrior is a very wonderful word, as is a philosopher. You are a philosopher warrior. I mean... Going to war with the people going to war with you is what's required. You have one minute remaining. Yeah, well, I'm not going to let these people push me off the planet. That's right. I have a right to be on this planet, you know. And it's it's in defense of that right that I'm standing up that I have to draw the line and say, listen, beyond this point, I refuse to go. I'm not going to let you push me off the planet. You know, this, you know, I was on a visit the other day. I came back and found myself ransacked. But this is the day after the, my, my, my case was featured on the Real Killer podcast. Right. You know, no coincidence. That's their way of showing me how they feel about what I'm doing. And that's fine. That's fine. So I play chess. You made your move. I'm going to make mine. Mm-hmm. Keith, I'm trying to tell the strategy center who, who are starting to get it but still don't fully get it that life is a chess match. The revolution is it a is. chess match. They make a move, we Thank make a move. Thank you for move. using GTL. You're still here, right, Keith? We'll call right back. Okay, great. I'm Julian Lamb. You're listening to Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement building show. Wake up 
and smell the revolution. You're on 90.7 FM KPFK here in Los Angeles, listener-supported radio. As you may know, KPFK is in fun drive, and in order to continue to bring you amazing shows, KPFK needs your financial support. We are asking Voices listeners to go to kpfk.org or to call 818-985-5735 and find out the many ways that you can financially contribute to KPFK. 818-985-5735. Call the number and please contribute to KPFK, the radio station where your politics and social justice has a voice. And now we continue with Eric Mann and Keith Lamar. ...and is subject to monitoring and recording. Thank you for using GTL. Okay. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement building show, Wake Up and Smell the Revolution. You're on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara. Streaming live on the web at kpfk.org. This will also be put out as a podcast. You can find it on Voices From thefrontlines.com. It's on every podcast venue that you want. Okay, so you know this is Keith uh, Lamar P.O. and for good reason. Uh, a four-hour reckon of yourself. You know, it's almost like trying to take any element of joy out of your life. Because, Keith, you know, what you've done, which is amazing, is you've, you're playing the, the game also one day at a time, and you get more joy and more amaze, amazement into one day than most people do in a lifetime. So that's why they want to F up one day at a time, right? Because they look at you, and you're, more, you're civilized, and they're a barbarian. You're brilliant, and they're stupid. You're anti-racist, and they're racist. Uh, you're a human being, and they're a pig. So they hate you because you're a more elevated person than they are. And they have to try to break your spirit. And in the small ways, by writing you letters, by talking about your book, by doing anything I can, keep, I want to help you every step of the way. Yeah, I appreciate that. I definitely do. I mean, since our uh, last conversation, I've heard from quite a few people. Amy has heard from people who heard the um, podcast or the radio uh, uh, broadcast. And um, so, you know, all these things are very, very important. I think, you know, you know, in, in, in extension of what you were just saying, I think their ultimate aim is to get me to join them down there. Right. You know, because that's where their power really resides. They want you to do something so they can shoot you with rubber bullets, so they can strap you down to, you know, a, 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 a restraint chair, so they can take your visits, so they can uh, take your phone calls. And see, if I reacted in the way that they wanted me to react, I wouldn't be able to fight for my life. So this is not about a chain, a ring. This is about me fighting for my life. See, I see it for what it is. But, you know, they always use alternate means to approach what they're trying to do, to achieve what they're trying to do. If you're young, if you're 20 years old, you don't really understand what you're dealing with, and so you react in the very way that they need you to react and therefore help them achieve their own aims. Right. But I'm 53 years old. I've been in the system for three decades, over three decades. So I've learned. They've taught, and I've learned. This is about, you know, uh, 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 intervening can't be business as usual because this is a business. You know, despite what, you know, they, they want people in the public to believe. You know, you know, freedom is not free. The only thing free is the market. Right. And you even got to pay to play there. That's what this capitalism is all about, is just grinding down human beings, turning them into things, into commodities. So, and it's the same thing. Nothing has changed, and that's the tragedy. And what we're talking about, you wrote this book, and this, the pages are yellow. But the words are still true. <laughs> Everything in this book is still relevant right now today. How can that be the case? Well, let me tell you something. When I wrote Comrade George in 1974, 
there were 200,000 people in the U.S. prisons, 200,000, which we thought was the most outrageous thing in the world. And 30% yeah, yeah. of them were, and 30% of them were black. That would be 60,000 black prisoners, right? Today, yeah. there's 1.5 million prisoners, almost a million of whom are black, and 200,000 of whom are women. So there's now right. 200,000 women in prison. And when I wrote this book, there were 200,000 people in prison, of whom 20,000 were women. So yeah. this country is, it's not even a country. It's a declining imperialist country that is so sick that all it knows how to do is arrest people and invade other countries. Right. And I've, I've, you know, when I was in my 20s, I, of course, when I first came to prison, I didn't have an awareness of any of these things, any of these things. you know, the uh, industrialization, the, you know, the closing of all the mills and factories, you know, and that coincided with mass incarceration, you know, and, and the, the, the locking up of brown and black people, impoverished people from impoverished communities. But that's how capitalism operates. You have five people in this country. Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, so on, on more wealth and resources than the bottom 50% of all the whole population. Right. But the narrative is that the people who are in prison are there because they have a moral failing. But the moral failing belongs to the people who have taken way more than they share. You know, but I'm just saying this is about the miseducation of the public. That's the only way that they are able to do what they do. I mean, you have predominantly black people who are at the you know higher levels of these places now. Right. That's a, it's just a, it's a real clever trick that they have played. Ex-slaves are not the slave masters, and so you can't even say anything, you know, because the warden here is a black woman. Right. And so you can't say to her, I've tried to speak to her on, on several occasions, try to say, you know, try to use a different tact. You know, like, don't forget your humanity system. Don't forget. But in order for you to get to that place, you know, a hierarchy, to get up, to, you know, to those higher, you know, posts, you have to demonstrate to these people that, listen, I can be just as cruel as you. And so when you see a Kyrie Nichols being beaten by five black police officers, you know, that's puzzling to a lot of people, not to me. I've seen it. I've felt those blows by black people right here in prison. That's about power. That is not about race. Race is a totally made up thing. It's about power. Well, you know, Keith. And they will use you in service of their power. That's that's all people need to understand about that. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. You know, I enjoy our talks a lot. I listen to every. You know, I hang on your every word, brother. You, you know. You know, one of the things I'm writing about because I always, besides being an organizer and writer is that in an imperialist country, in a racist white settler state, over time, the majority of the people become imperialist, and they become racist, and they support the white settler state, including a lot of black people. So right now, you have prison guards. You know, the prison guards union is the meanest union. They take people out, Keith, to, to conventions in Hawaii, all these elected officials. Bribe them, give them money to support more prisons, more prison guards, and then black people get the job as well as Latinos and whites and right. Asians. And they are convinced that their job is to subdue, and I will say, you know, they're trained to feel that they have nothing to do with you, right? right. But they are of a different planet, and, and you are, I don't want to say, but you know, the way they have been trained to think about the prisoners is the prisoners deserve punishment, and I'm here right. to give it. I mean, the thing, too, they have prisoners think that they deserve this kind of punishment. Because, you know, just like on the plantations, the slaves outnumbered the overseers. The same right. thing here in prison. So you have to punish yourself. They put you in a cell and they leave you to it. And they convince you that you are guilty of something. But this is all about resources, disproportionate allocation of resources. 
And then your reaction to that reality is a crime. Oh, that's been defined by people in power. And so they put you in a cell and leave you to punish yourself. I walked in cells, Eric, where the mirror was completely scratched out. Guys couldn't even look at themselves in the mirror. That's how effective, you know, these people are. I just heard what you said. To make you punish your own self, to make you torture your own self. And, you know, here in the last couple of weeks and months, you know, the suicides have increased here in the Supermax prison. Had a guy committed suicide just a few weeks ago. And you, you hear the guards whispering about it. And, you know, they have some kind of vague, you know, sense that they are involved in something, you know, unseemly. And they are. Some of them quit. Some of them just walk out. Said, nah, I don't like what this doing to me. And good for you. Good for you. Like well, you know that old That's saying right. in the Bible: "What what what profit a man who who gains the world but loses his soul?" And see, that's the thing that you have to bear in mind. I'm not talking oh. about the hereafter. This and that. I'm talking the thing, the core of who you are as a human being. You can lose that. You can lose your way. When you're walking through these places, so these religious, you know, artifacts that I wear on my finger and around my neck are just reminders to, to, to fight for my soul. So that's what this is about. That's, that's what my fight is ultimately about. You know, um, and I'm willing to starve myself. Well, Keith, your soul is rather amazing. Your soul touches mine. You know that. And the reason I'm so glad we're doing these voices shows is to get, it's called Voices from the Front Lines. And you are right on the front lines. And I, I just take a minute, I want to talk to our listeners. Uh, I don't know how you can hear this and not want to fly to Ohio and march in front, I'm serious, uh, uh, march in front of the governor's office, march in front of the Department of Oppression office, uh, I'm not allowed to ask you to give money, but I can encourage you to say that uh, Keith still has legal uh, cards to play. He has lawyers working for him, and they're trying to work, you could say, below market, but they still need money. And I'm not afraid to say I've contributed money, Strategy Sense contributed money, and you should contribute money. You, know, you don't like it, you put me in jail. So... This is serious stuff. This is life and death stuff. You know, a lot of people on KPFK, they listen to, oh, capitalism is this, and oh, yeah, the transnational corporations are that. Who cares? What are you going to do about it? That's the only question. What are you going to do about it, KPFK voices listeners? And the least you can do is go on KeithLamar.org, register, so you can get all the emails and the alerts, and Amy, tell us about again, because I'm not one to know. Tell us about the link to Facebook. Just tell it again. Facebook are all one word, Justice for Keith Lamar. Um, so, and then the website is keithlamar.org. And if anybody is being asked by some kind of, there are a few copycat sites out there that we keep trying to shut down. Those are the only official ones. Justice for Keith Lamar, all one word. Uh, any of our efforts to fundraise or whatever are posted in public spaces, not in people's inboxes. We don't do that. So if somebody were approached privately, that's suspicious. So just Justice for Keith Lamar on Instagram and Facebook, and the website is keithlamar.org. Well, I just keep saying KeithLamar.org, KeithLamar.org. Come on, folks. This is, by the way, Keith, you know, I told you in my letter, but this is a beautiful book. I'm on page 102, so we'll have a competition on who can finish the book first. But you're also a, a beautiful writer. You said about, what did you say, writing is uh, excruciating or laborious, right? Yeah. It's for everybody, brother. <laughs> I mean, I'm a professional yeah, yeah. writer. Everything I do has five drafts, except my letters to you, which just come right out. They're good. But this oh, I really, me. really enjoyed that letter you wrote me, Eric. Uh, uh, I was talking to Amy about it. It had me laugh. It had me in stitches, man. The part where you said, Your Honor, I can't do that kind of time. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he said, you'll be okay, son. You know, yeah, I went through a similar experience, man. When I was 19, they sentenced me to 18 years to life and meant that I was going to the parole board when I was 32 years old. And as a 19-year-old, I thought that was just, you know, uh, outrageous, man. I just didn't, you know. One thing this is happening to me, Keith, is that my prison experience is so deep in me, but most people don't want to hear it. Uh, they don't, and they don't understand. I did 18 months, and then I was yeah. under state control for five years. And I think uh-huh. some probation was worse than prison because oh, probation, yeah. every day I walked down the street, I really thought I could be busted and sent back for anything my parole officer yeah. wanted to right. do. Right. So I want to crack you up. I'll send you funny stories. You know, you're the one who likes my prison jokes the most. <laughs> you know, you know, you're talking about 18 months, which compared to how long I've been in, seems like a drop in the bucket. But every day, every day in a place where you don't want to be is hell. Right. Primo Levy, who was in the uh, concentration camps, Auschwitz, Birkenau, he was there for 11 months, and he never got over it. Right. Committed suicide not long after he was you know, uh, release or freed, you know, but he wrote before he, before he died, Primo Levi, he got a book, he wrote a book called If This Is a Man, one of my favorite books. And he, he was a scientist when he was kidnapped and, you know, thrust into one of those camps. He was a, uh, a chemist. Right. And so he was able to look at what he was going through from a scientific standpoint and he wrote it down. And reading those things is really what helped me acquire the understanding of this, to deal with the complexities of my life. Because this stuff is complex. You think one thing is happening on the surface, the things that you can see and touch with your hand. But the effects of those things, the contact with those realities reverberate throughout your molecular system. It changes you fundamentally, and that's what they're doing the work at below the level, on the level that you can't see. This whole thing is designed to turn you into a piece of shit, to someone who can look at your brother, who, as you said in your letter, who would get on the stand and lie on your freedom for a bag of Fritos, for a box of Debbie's, or for nothing, just for the satisfaction of appeasing these people who, got they, who have their foot on their neck. And I've seen it. I see it every day. Well, okay. you know, and so it's just, if this, is this a man, you know? And so, yeah, you know, Primo Levy, 11 months, man. So, you know, it's all relative, brother. It's all relative. Every day matters of your life. Every day of your life matters, man. It matters. Well, the most important thing, Keith, is that you've allowed me to more believe in the experience I had. You know what I mean? To you what I did, because I, I got out of prison, you know, the uh, uh, Ho Chi Minh said when the, when the prison door opens, the dragon will come out. And I went in a dragon, and I came back a bigger one. And I've, you know, I've yeah. never ever looked back, Keith. You understand? I've never yeah. looked back. I hate these people. I have You know what I'm saying? I, I, and it's so good for me to have this relationship with you. You know, you feed my soul, and I, I'll give anything for you, and I'm going to keep working with you. And I was telling Amy, I do want to come visit you soon, and I'm uh, Channing and I. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. We're, we're coming out. Yeah, that's fine. I look forward to it. All right, so we're going to work on yeah. that. Uh, I just got the forms from Amy. Right? Uh-huh. So I want to say you. before we go, Eric, that yeah. um, I don't hate anybody. You know, James Baldwin said, hate, which can destroy so much, never fail to destroy the one who hated. So that reverberates it like a boomerang. Because we are all connected. The people who have a foot on my neck, they just don't see that. See that. And so we all are being damaged by the way we treat each other. It's not hate, you know, that, that is inspiring me to do, you know, what I'm doing to be who I am. It's love for myself, love and understanding of who we are. You know, that's that's the point that I'm trying to make. You know, uh, 
They want you to hate them. Because then you have now joined them down there, as Primo Levi would say. Well, and I'm not going to allow that thing to fester and grow inside of me. You know what I mean? It's love is the strongest power on this planet. And when it's utilized by people who love strongly, you can move them out. So it's got to be that, man. It's got to be that, man. You know? Well, you know, Keith, that I'm working on my next book is called I Saw a Revolution with My Own Eyes. Uh, yeah, that's his, nice, his, History, strategy and organizing for the revolution we need today. And the thing that people don't understand, because I'm reading this other book called Caliban and the Witch, about how, you know, the killing of hundreds of thousands of women in the 13th, 14th, 15th. Yeah, I mean, but I'm talking about mass, mass burnings of women who stood up for themselves, yeah. Yeah. who refused to. Yeah. Uh, but what the writer said, is the biggest thing they did was to kill the history. See? And yeah. With, yeah. as long as you have history, then you know you're not alone. As long as you have history, then right. you have all these right. heroes and sheroes that you can work with. They want to deny you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, brother. I definitely agree with you. That's why I'm always talking about George Jackson, Malcolm X. Asada Shakur, Angela Davis, all these people who were in solitary confinement at one time or another. All these people who have experienced everything that I am presently going through. So I don't look at it as if, you know, woe is me, this is woe is you know, you know, this is, you know, tragedy that's happening to Keith Lamar. You know, I know that I'm a link in the chain that has been sustained throughout, you know, centuries. You know, and I'm trying to be my part, trying to do my part as a link on that chain. I owe that to the people who have sacrificed so much. I owe that. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, like I said, rise to the occasion of, of, of my situation, man. It's important that I do that because there's somebody that's coming behind. You know, and every cell that I've been in has been moved from. Because, you know, these people can just move you wherever they want. They own this building. And by extension, they own you, so they, so they think. But I leave notes behind. I leave my book under the mattress. I'm always conscious of that. I want to make sure that every time we talk, you get the last word. What's your last word to the folks who are listening? Stand up and fight for your life. It's just trying to uh, find your find your, 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 your happy medium. Get involved in this struggle. You know, the humanity demands it. The earth demands it. And the earth, is too, is under attack. This precious place that we have been allowed to journey through, it's calling out for us to, to, you know, to become educated, to educate ourselves so we can, you know, join the fight for, for light. You know, it's light and darkness in this world. But we have to educate ourselves, stand up and fight, you know, do something righteous with our lives. I hope you all will join me in, that, in this struggle because it's a righteous struggle. I'm not just doing this just for myself. If I'm executed, I won't be the first or last person to execute to be executed in this country. As you just alluded to, Eric, talking about the women who were, you know, lynched and burned by the thousands, by the hundreds in Salem and all over in other places. You know, those things happen. But those women were fighting were after something. And so, you know, I just want everybody just to know, man, that, you know, just to stand up and, you know, you know, have the courage to stand up and, you know, speak truth to power, but stand up and, and, and stand where you are, wherever that might be. Understand that you have a right to be on this planet. Thanks so much, Eric. I appreciate it, brother. I Looking appreciate forward it. to uh, talking to you again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got Chinese. Um, thanks so much, man. I know you're behind the scenes, man, but I just want to let you know also, brother, that I appreciate your efforts and everything to help me, man. It really means a lot. Oh, no, more, more thank you. I'm just so glad to be a fly on the wall and to be able to do all the work that I can to get this out to as many people. And Jan, I appreciate it, uh, brother. It's really important. Well, just to say, Keith, that, you know, I work in an organization with Channing is my partner. We do everything. He's director organizing. I'm director. I work with Barbara Lott Holland. I work with Julian Lamb, another brother who does a lot of it. He's going to be editing, brother from uh, Belize and Garifuna. We work with uh, Akuna Uka, Afro-Nigerian, and Emily Zamora, Chicana. 
and we're building a movement. You know, we got a great team, and Jenny yeah. is he's a lot in the, he ran for city council, by the way, on a platform of uh, cut the police in half. So he's not always behind the scenes. In that case, I was behind him. So we'll keep going, Keith. I'll talk to you very soon. Okay, thanks so much, Aaron. You hear from me soon, brother. Thanks so yes, much. You. Okay, Jenny. Take care, brother. All, All right. right. Peace. And thank you, Amy. Thank you so much. Little done, it feels like years since you've been here. Here comes the sun, little darling. Here comes the sun, I say. Sometimes it's a mystery what you will hear on KPFK from hour to hour, especially during fun drives. We're trying something different this time. We want to present our regular shows with minimal disruption, giving you the content you tune in for. For this to work, we really need to hear from you. Please make your donation now at 818-985-5735 or visit kpfk.org and click Donate. $25 makes you a KPFK member but your contribution of $100, $200, $2,500, or any amount above or in between is welcomed as well. It's thanks to your help that you and other listeners are able to tune in to KPFK, where listening is always a magical adventure. Does he love me now? What do you think? 